evening, everyone. Uh, today's reading is taken from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses uh, 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again, everybody. Some weeks we're having large chunks of 2 Corinthians. Some weeks it's just a short bit. We'll be focusing on uh, what it is to demolish strongholds this evening. Uh, just extend a warm welcome. I just particularly want to honour someone who's here tonight. Yvonne, I want to honour you tonight. Yvonne Warren came here with her husband, Norman. Norman was vicar of the church from 1963 when the church was at a really low ebb. And we, we are building on the legacy that you left behind. And I just want to honour you and all the work you put in with Norman. And thank you for your ministry here. And it was a lovely treat to see you tonight. But I just want to honour you before we start. So thank you. <laughs> so now let's pray that the Lord will speak. Lord, we thank you, as Andy was praying, for all those that have worshipped in this place over the last 150 years. Uh, for all who've gone before us, for who've taught us about Jesus. And we want to uh, honour that legacy. We want to introduce more to Jesus. We want to become more like him. So we pray, come this evening by your Holy Spirit as we look at your word. Uh, all of us, you haven't finished with any of us yet. There's more work to be done in us to free us from the old nature, to make us more like Jesus. So we pray for each one of us this evening, as I speak, that by your spirit, you will just gently and lovingly put your finger on the next thing you would have us work on with you, that we may become more the people you've made us to be. And we ask it in your great name. Amen. Uh, when we were baptized, uh, these words or words like them will have been said. Fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil. We do not fight against flesh and blood, as the reading has. We're not fighting the way the world fights. Uh, we fight a spiritual battle, primarily over truth. The devil is a liar. He wants to feed lies into our minds. Uh, and the battle we face is to believe God's truth and to resist these lies. And there is so much in all of Paul's letters about what we think, getting our thinking straight. Uh, so before we get to these few verses, just for example, Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's our thinking we need to get straight. That will lead to the rest of our lives. Or in Philippians, Paul says this, Philippians 4.8, 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is praiseworthy or excellent, think about those things. Uh, we are bombarded with a whole lot of other things most days, and it's tempting to focus on them. But that's where our thinking should be. Well, Jesus put it like this in John 8, verse 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, we could look at hundreds of other references, but let me read to you again from these, ver these short verses that John read to us, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, from verse 3. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And that's what we're thinking about tonight. It's the thoughts in our minds. Are they from God? Are they true? Are they consistent with the scriptures? Or are they lies from the evil one? Or are they just distractions? It's easy to forget that we are in a spiritual battle. At the moment this week, we're just in a, a battle with the heat, it feels. And we can forget there's a spiritual battle going on as well. It started right back in Genesis 3, uh, when the devil essentially said, did God lie to you? Or did God say you couldn't have any of this? Uh, the devil is a liar. God had said they could have all of it, not just the, the one thing. There is a lot more going on in the world around us than we're aware of. I love some of the stories in the Old Testament, like Elisha's servant who's worried about the army he sees around. And Elisha says, open his eyes that he may see what's going on in the heavenlies. And there's a whole heavenly army that's far greater. Or in Job, uh, the beginning of Job strips back the curtain, as it were, and we see behind the scenes to what's going on in the heavenly realm. There is a whole spiritual battle going on around, and most of it is about the truth for our minds. We are constantly fed lies by the evil one uh, and others who feed them on his behalf. And we have to be careful what we believe and what we teach others, as particularly as we raise our children uh, collectively in this church and in our own families, what they believe. If a child grows up believing a lie, it has an enormous impact on them for life. Suppose a child uh, grows up being constantly told that they're useless, they'll never amount to anything, they'll never do anything useful. That tape that becomes embedded in the brain and they start to believe it. It is a lie. Everyone is made in God's image. Everyone has the potential to grow into the image of Jesus Christ. Uh, all those who come to faith in Jesus become children of God, much loved. And God restores his image in us. But imagine that person who's had that lie spoken over them. There may be someone here this evening who's struggling with that very lie. God wants to set you free from that by the truth that you are made in his image. Uh, and that's the truth. This is what taking captive every thought is getting at. Where do these thoughts in our heads come from? And what is the truth? Now, when it talks about a stronghold, can we just go back to a previous previous verse there? We're, we're talking about demolishing strongholds. Uh, in human terms, a military stronghold is in a sort of army base, secure from the enemy, uh, such that people can't get in. It's a good base. When the scriptures are talking about the, our thinking, they're talking about uh, a stronghold in our brain is a, is a secure pattern of thinking that's hard to overturn. So there may be true strongholds that we are God's children, and that's wonderful. We, we want to believe those deeply. 
but there may be these lies that have got into our brains, into our systems, that are like a stronghold uh, from the dark side, that with a lie that needs to be demolished. Uh, and we can demolish that lie by the truth and by repentance and prayer, and that's what we're thinking about this evening. Uh, now, I want to illustrate this. Uh, I usually do this. Oh, where did I put this? I've lost it. I may not have brought it down with me. I wanted to illustrate it. You're going to have to imagine this with a reel of cotton. I thought I'd brought a reel of cotton down and put it there, but I hadn't. Um, I've done this when the children... I've done it with adults, but imagine that I got Andy up here uh, and I tied one thread of cotton round... I got his arms and tied a thread of cotton and I said, break free. He would just break free. Imagine then, this was going to happen. It would have taken a little while. I then wrapped it round him five times. Or I might have got Holly to do this, to sort of tie him up with the cotton maybe five or ten times, say, now Andy, break free. Now he's a strong fellow. He will have broken free. I then say, now wrap it round him a hundred times. Just and you find when that cotton's wrapped round your thumb, it's very, very, very hard to break free, isn't it? Because now a stronghold is where a, a lie, if it's just told to you once, you brush it off. But when it's told again and again and again and again and again, it becomes something that's very hard to break out from. And we often need God's power to do that. Uh, as an illustration of this, Paul talks about these things in lots of his different letters. Ephesians 4, verse 26 and 27 says this, In your anger, do not sin. Now, some anger is righteous anger. Jesus was angry uh, righteously against sin. But often when we get angry, it's not very righteous. So in, our, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. The, devil, the, the Bible tells us to deal with that before bedtime. Do not give the devil a foothold. If we don't deal with our anger, if it's sinful, it builds up in us. And sinful anger gives the devil a foothold. Literally, the Greek word is topos, from which we get topology. It gives him a place in our thinking. Uh, and a stronghold is a place in our thinking where a lie has taken root, or anger has taken root in this illustration, or something that is ungodly has taken root and is affecting our behavior, our life, in every way. And Jesus came to set us free from these sorts of things, free to believe the truth, free to become the people he's made us to be. Imagine uh, three boys growing up, a, a young one aged eight, uh, a middling one aged 13, and quite a big strong one aged 17. And their father is a drunkard who comes home violent quite often. The 17-year-old, who's quite big and bigger than his dad and stronger, might square up to him. The 13-year-old, who's not strong enough to take his father on, will probably appease him. Hello, Dad, can I get anything for you? Do you need something? Can I get something? Can I help you? The 8-year-old may well hide. Imagine this going on for a long time. What it does is it creates a pattern of behavior such that when there's a threat, in later life, the 17-year-old might well, the, the older boy might square up to it, the middle one might just try and appease, the younger one might run away. What we're talking about is patterns of thinking that become patterns of behavior, that become ingrained. That's what uh, strongholds seem to mean in scriptural terms. And we all have some areas of our thinking which are not yet set free by the Lord. This, until Jesus returns or until we die and we're made perfect in glory, we are works in progress. And God is working on me as he's working on you to set us free from lies we've believed or ungodly thinking to become the people he's made us to be. 
from Jesus' teaching, John 8, verse 32. You will know the truth. Now, that's partly the truth as opposed to lies, and it's partly Jesus who is the truth, and the truth will set you free. Or a few verses later, John 8, verse 36. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And as I'm speaking this evening, my prayer is not that anyone will feel condemned. That's from the evil one. The Lord just wants to point out an area that he's working on in our life to work on, uh, to set us free from, so we become more free, the people we're made to be. Uh, When you read through the scriptures, you find that there are three different tenses of salvation. Sometimes it says we have been saved. Sometimes it says we are being saved. Sometimes it says we will be saved. And all three are true. In the past, we have been saved from the penalty of sin. Jesus died for our sins. We are forgiven. You are absolutely forgiven when you come to bow the knee to Jesus, Lord. You are forgiven. All that's gone. Uh, One day when Jesus returns, we will be set free totally from the presence of sin. There'll be no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. It will be a joyful, perfect existence. In this life in between, we are slowly being set free from the effect of sin in our lives. And this is a lifelong journey, painfully slow quite often, to become the people God has made us to be. And often what stops this progress is some stronghold, some bit of thinking in our brains, uh, some lie we've believed or something that's got in from the past that just is a roadblock that we need to be set free from. Sometimes we need others alongside us to talk through and pray with us. It's wonderful in this town to be in partnership with the Well Christian Healing Ministry to have time to give through the week, to really pray into some of these uh, deep things. But it's been glorious in this church to talk with different individuals who've been set free from all sorts of different things by the power of prayer, by repenting of believing lies, by choosing to believe the truth. Uh, So I wonder uh, what lies might be playing in your life. It may be you've believed that you were no good. You may have been told you're no good, that you've got nothing to offer. That is not true. You are made in God's image. Ephesians 2.10, Paul puts it like this. We are God's handiwork, or his poetry would be a good translation. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That includes you. You are God's handiwork. And he's made you with good things he's got in mind for you to do. So it is a lie that you're no good and you'll never do anything useful. Or you may have believed the opposite lie, which is you're only acceptable because of what you do. Classic introduction when you meet people. Hello, what's your name? What do you do? As if that's the most important thing about us. And we live in a society that's so achievement-based that people fuel their identity on what they've done. But I find it really interesting that at Jesus' baptism, before he'd done any ministry, God says, you're my beloved son, and I'm pleased with you because of who you are. Long before he'd done any of the stuff he came to do. Or perhaps you've believed a lie that you've done something that's so terrible that God will never be able to forgive you for it. We had the confession earlier 
set in formally as Andy led us through stuff that's just unworthy. God may have showed us things. But you may have that lie in your mind, well, God will never forgive me for that. Now, that is a lie. Jesus died on the cross for the sin of the whole world, including yours. It wasn't for the sin of the whole world, everybody, apart from you. It was everybody. That's the truth. And you can be forgiven for that. But you need to know it, and you may need to talk and pray that through with someone. Uh, when we read the scriptures, we find one of the great hero heroes is David, who committed adultery and murder. Or Peter, who denied Jesus. For they knew God's love and forgiveness. Uh, sometimes these lies come to us down the generations. A few years ago, I preached a series on God's blessing and family mess, and some stuff is passed down the generations. Uh, a love deficit, or sometimes something like Freemasonry can affect down the generations. Or soul ties, we can be so bound up with other people. Uh, unhealthy relationships, or someone else is kind of controlling us. And they have come in all sorts of different ways. Or it may be that we've not forgiven others. And we are to forgive others. Sometimes this takes a huge amount of work. Uh, and I don't want to be simplistic about this. Uh, some things that happen really take a lot of work to reach deep forgiveness for what needs to be done. But if we don't forgive, if we choose not to forgive, it's a bit like drinking the poison and hoping the other person dies. It eats away at us. Now, there are so many. I'm not going to go to <laughs> be here all night and try to list every area of things God wants to set us free from. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will just point out something to you that he's working on in you. Uh, for some of us, these things come out passively. Depression, shame, inferiority, hopelessness. For others, they come out very actively. Anger, control, conceit, hatred, a critical spirit. Is sort of uh, and they can get hold of us if they're not dealt with. So let's come back to our few verses tonight. 2 Corinthians 10. Though we live in the world, we're not waging war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. We're not fighting against other people. On the contrary, the weapons we fight with, which is about prayer and repentance and faith, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. These things can be dealt with. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That means that when we have a thought in our head, if there's a, a military stronghold and someone turns up, there will be a sentry at the, at the entrance point saying, who goes there? Sort of friend or foe, am I going to let you in? When you have this thought in your head, we need to, as it were, have a little sentry thinking, well, is that true? Am I going to let that into my system? Am I going to believe that? Or is that not true? In which case I need to not give it space, topos, and not, not let it have a foothold in our heads. Uh, and the baptism service, we're told to fight valiantly against these things. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, we've used a framework in the past, uh, many of us haven't preached on this for a few years, uh, which we've called the five R's, or nicked it from someone else. Uh, and uh, there's a very ancient PowerPoint that I did years and years ago with these five R's that we'll just talk through for how we deal with this. So I don't know, Daniel, whether we can get that up. There we are. The first R is to recognize that there is something that needs dealing with. This can come in all sorts of ways. It can come as we tonight are praying, Lord, will you point out to me? 
there may be some of the illustrations I've thrown out are true of you or one of them, in which case you'll recognize that and it's time to, to deal with it. Um, if you really have no idea at all what strongholds or thought patterns you're struggling with, then ask your friends or your family. They will probably know. <laughs> they will know where, where your buttons are. They will know where they're treading on eggshells, tipping around, tiptoeing around you. They will know. Um, but it, it, it's nicer just to ask the Lord by his spirit to, uh, to help us discover, to recognize them. When we do recognize them, the next thing is to repent of any lie we've believed or giving space to this. To repent, literally, Greek word metanoia, is to change our mind, to change our thinking. I have believed the lie that I'm no good. I repent of that. It's not true. Uh, the way into the kingdom of God is through repentance and trust in God. It's the way on in the kingdom of God. Uh, just in case you don't know these verses, when Jesus started preaching the gospel in Mark 1, 14 and 15, he said, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And often we think of repentance as kind of bad news and hard and uh, rather difficult, but repentance is good news. It sets us free to believe the truth. Uh, or Peter preaching uh, in Acts 3, he says, repent and turn to God so your sins can be wiped out. At times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Well, we, we long for times of refreshing. Actually, we long for that physically tonight on a muggy night. But we need that in our souls to be set free. So whatever it is, whatever the stronghold, it may be pride, it may be fear, it may be bitterness, it may be thinking we're no good, it may be thinking God can't forgive us. Whatever it is, we need to repent of that, uh, of that lie that we've, believed the third r is to receive we receive two things in particular we receive forgiveness jesus died on the cross for your sin and for mine including the lies we believe we can know we are forgiven but we also want to receive fresh filling of god's holy spirit to strengthen us if we've believed a lie deeply or something's gone deep uh, it's going to need an awful lot of God's power to help us walk in the opposite direction. We need to pray for filling of the Spirit, not to go back to that old pattern of belief that's so unhealthy. So we receive forgiveness, we receive the Spirit. The fourth R is rebuking. We rebuke the evil one. Jesus tells us to resist the devil and he'll flee from us. For example, James chapter 4, verse 7, we've got that. Submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And actually to rebuke the evil one. For example, if you've believed that you are no good and you recognize that as a lie and you repent, I'm sorry, Father, for, for believing that lie that I'm no good. Please forgive me for believing the lie. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive the forgiveness. I receive your Holy Spirit. Then rebuke the evil one. I stand against you, Satan. I will not believe that lie anymore. That's the fourth R. We, we resist that one. And then the fifth one is, the fifth R, is to replace. Replace the lie with the truth. Uh, now, so often I find people don't do this. Uh, my own dear mum, who went to glory uh, six months ago or so, this was a constant thing we talked about. She had been quite damaged in childhood. There were various lies that had been spoken over her. 
She'd gone repeatedly through these first things. She recognized them. She repented of believing them. She received the Lord's forgiveness. She received filling of the Spirit. She rebuked the evil one. But she wasn't so good at replacing the life. She went back to, kept on going back to. And we have to walk in the opposite spirit. That was one of the uh, the big things of in her later life, was not going back to the childhood lies that had been spoken of her, but walking in the truth. And again and again in the New Testament, when Paul is talking about living a new life, he says, no longer are you going to do this. Now you have to walk in the opposite spirit of it. Um, it does this more in Ephesians. So we'll just go back. We're nearly at the end tonight, for those of you who are wondering, how much longer is he going to go on? Uh, towards the Ephesians, there's a really long section on no to this and yes to that. So, for example, you put off falsehood. You're not going to lie to each other anymore. Instead of that, you speak truthfully. So you repent of being a liar <laughs> and a lying person. There are lots of people in the church in Ephesus who've been liars. No, we're not going to do that anymore. We're now going to start doing the opposite. We're going to speak truthfully. Uh, or verse 28, anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands. So there are plenty of thieves that got converted and were in the church in Ephesus. They need to repent of stealing. They need to replace it, learn to work and earn some money and do something useful. Uh, so they may have something to share with others. Or chapter 4, verse 29. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. It's one thing to speak critically and negatively and repent of that. It's a whole other thing to replace it by speaking positively over others and building them up and honoring them. Or verse 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling. Now, it's an interesting church, isn't it? Paul has to tell them not to steal, not to lie, not to brawl going on. Uh, along with every form of malice. Instead of that, be kind and compassionate to one another. They had to actively do the opposite, to be kind, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Or last one for tonight, Ephesians 5.18. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. So again and again, it's we repent of one thing and we replace it with another. So God had brought to this church in Ephesus liars, thieves, brawlers, drunkards. It's an interesting church. And they were all forgiven. And they had to learn to repent of all this stuff, to deal with it and walk in the opposite spirit. It's the same in the church in Corinth, the same in every New Testament church. And it's the same today. We've all got this stuff. Many of us cover it up quite respectably. Uh, just to give a word of my own testimony in this. Um, a number of years ago now, quite a long time ago, I went for some prophetic prayer ministry with some people who didn't know me at all, just looking for the Lord to speak into my life. Lord, are there ways you've made me that I need to grow into? Are there strongholds, patterns of stuff in my life that are working against it? I had two people who I hadn't spoken with before, who, I, who waited on the Lord, and they wrote down the pictures they got, and then they shared them with me. Both had exactly the same picture for me positively. Uh, and both had exactly the same thing that I needed to deal with as, as a stronghold in my life. I remember sharing that with a church, and a few with the church 15 or 16 years ago. It was Andy and Ruth's son Rob got the giggles. Uh, like it's hard for God to tell the same thing to two people, you know. <laughs> uh, 
wonderful man of faith who didn't think that was hard. But uh, I was amazed by it. And the thing I had to repent of was not trusting God to lead this church forward. If, if we had a situation where I didn't know what to do, where I didn't think God would say anything, we were trying to think it through and we were making our best idea up. And sometimes we were doing okay and sometimes that wasn't so good. And the thing that was pointed out to me was I didn't really trust God to lead us the way forward. If it wasn't clear what next, we needed to do some more praying and more waiting till God made it clear. And actually that was, there was a pattern of something sinful in my life, of just not trusting God. And repenting of that was very releasing. Um, I found this summer the danger of going back to that is we become a mission hub church we don't quite know what that's going to look like there's a pressure to what are you going to do about it there's pressure to and that's why we're doing the praying we want the lord to reveal because i'm determined not to go back to that old pattern of sin of just making it up myself jesus is the head of the church and i want to trust him to lead us and if we're not clear where it's going we'll keep waiting so there have been other things in my life we've had to work on. I'm not going to share all those tonight. But there's always stuff for all of us. We're works in progress. Uh, now, that's quite enough tonight. It would be really good to pray into this. I will have raised some things, or the Holy Spirit will have raised some things in you, that some of you, this will be quite heavy stuff. Uh, there'll be an opportunity to pray into it briefly after the service. We have a prayer ministry team who would love to pray. But if it's one of those bigger things, um, we can do an initial prayer for grace and strength for you but I'd love you to book a prayer appointment at the well to have time and for him to talk and pray these things through with you. So, if, Or it could be somewhere else. It could be people in your small group. Uh, it could be any Christian you, you know. It could be. But really, if God's pointed something out to you, we'd love to encourage you to deal with that so you can be set free into the next freedom bit of what God has for you. Uh, so let's, uh, Judith and... Martin and Jonathan, if you come back ready to lead us in the last song. But let's stand and let's pray first.